Turkana, a documentary from Concern Worldwide. Imagine an area roughly the size of Ireland, but with a population of about 1.2 million people. This is Turkana, a county of northwest Kenya. Over the years, there has been very little investment or development with most of the population relying on the land. But very little grows here. Herders wander the landscape with their goats, going anywhere the grass grows. Right now though, the only real patches of green come from small flat trees and thorny shrubs. Life here was always hard, but more recently, it's become harder with the ever increasing number of droughts. These days are really bad. They have wiped the animals and they are now coming to wipe the human beings. My name is Clara Hearn and I work on Concern's communications team in Dublin. In July 2019, I travelled to Turkana to meet with people who have been affected by drought there this year. One of the people I was invited to meet was a tear cat boy. She lived some six hours drive away from the county capital, Lodwar. And it's no ordinary drive. About 20 minutes of it is on a proper road. After that, it's just dirt roads which pass through dry river beds and then onto vast, open, empty plains. It's isolated here, and as we get out of the car, there's literally nothing to be seen for miles except for flat, arid land surrounded by hills in the distance. Atir and her family live in this spot alongside a handful of other families. She shares her home with her husband, who is away when I visit, and with her seven children. Her youngest, Amoni, is 18 months old. He is asleep in his mother's arms the whole time we talk. Atir is an incredibly striking looking woman, with her short hair tied into small braids. What really catches your eye are the vibrant colours of her necklace, strings upon strings of black, yellow and red beads. Atir invites me inside her home to sit down. Her home is a small wooden hut that is literally just sticks and dried grass held together. There are no mud walls inside to protect from the outside elements. Nothing on the floor, just the same flat earth as outside. That's where we sit to begin talking. Traditionally, as a host, she would have offered a refreshment for her visitors. But these days, times are hard. Because since you came to this household, have you seen any child carrying any milk? No. If there was grass around, the animals would eat, then we would get milk. You as my visitors, would get some a cup of milk. But as you can see, even my children don't have even a cup of milk. Translating for us is Jacob Amanakor. He works as a nutrition coordinator for the Ministry of Health in Turkana. During my visit, he became the voice of the remarkable women I met there. 
What was your life like as a child growing up? I remember when I was growing up, there used to be plenty in this land. We used to drink milk, we used to eat meat, and we had a lot of harvest from the forest. My dad then would kill an animal, one of our livestock then would consume. Life was so good, there wasn't a lot of hassle. Like her parents before her, Etir became a nomadic livestock herder. She and her husband kept a small herd of goats. That is, until recently. Seven out of ten of my goats were wiped out in 2017 drought. And then the remaining three were wiped out this, this time around in 2019. You might have heard of the 2017 drought that devastated large parts of Kenya, Somalia, Ethiopia and Uganda. In Kenya alone, two and a half million people like Atir did not have enough food to eat and were at risk of starving. The landscape became littered with the carcasses of dead animals. Families like Atir's are still reeling from the effects of that year's drought, but incredibly, now in 2019, they are in the middle of another one. This drought is bad because it has cleared all the animals, all the livestock. The fruits of the fruits of the land, if you can see from the trees, the trees have also withered. There is nothing that comes, there are no fruits and there are no seeds coming. So everything has dried up. So we are just living that way on God's masses. These communities are very communal in nature. There's a lot of um, support uh, amongst each other. This is Amina Abdullah. She is Concerns Country Director in Kenya. She's based in the capital Nairobi, where she oversees all of Concerns work across the country. Born and raised in Kenya, she has worked in development and emergency response for over 17 years. She knows exactly the kind of devastation a drought like this can cause everyone is losing assets or is being pushed deeper and deeper um, in poverty, there's very little support you can get from that kind of um, setup because everybody, almost everybody is as destitute as you are. Without the community to rely on, Atir and her family were on their own. The impact of losing her goats was immediate. She was faced with every parent's worst nightmare as she was forced to watch her children go hungry. Worse still, her two youngest, Ebe and Moni, became malnourished. I realised that my children are sick the moment I didn't have enough food to give them. We would sleep without meals, and my children would be weak, they would stand up, they would only be sleeping and crying. How do you feel when your children tell you that they're hungry? I normally feel like crying. I get down in spirit 
because that tells me that my children are almost, they are almost to the point of death. They are here asking me for food and I have no food to give them. I always feel so bad. The emotions, what goes through my mind is that the next day my children are going to die. So. A tear is doing everything in her power to put some food on the table for her children. All I could do was to keep on working hard, working hard, working hard, and ensure that I have something for them to eat. With no milk from her goats, Etir's only other way of supporting her family is to collect and sell firewood, which is used for cooking. All I could do was to get up, go to the bush and get some firewood, then buy them some food, which is not even a complete diet. Because the money you get may not buy oil, may not buy pulses, it will only buy you cereals. Um, maybe a half or a kg of cereals or flour, which is not enough for a family of nine. A tear buys that kilo of flour at her nearest market centre, which is 15 kilometres away. It's a trip she has to make every day. What are your energy levels like? How do you manage to look after everyone when you don't have enough food? My energy levels are always down. What I do in the morning is get up, take warm water, then get some piece of cloth, tie around my stomach. Then I would go to the center Ask someone, can I even get half a kg of flour? Then I will go and bring you food as a butter tread so that I can pay back for what you've given me. So that has been my normal life here. I can starve up to 10 days without food. I cannot remember the number of times I have stayed without food. All I used to take is warm water. And sometimes when the water becomes too much in my stomach, I would vomit the water. There are thousands more young families like Atiers who have to endure these daily ordeals. In Turkana, about 800,000 people are significantly impacted by this drought. Of those, 240,000 are in urgent need of food assistance. Most women try to get by by making charcoal or collecting and selling firewood like Atir. It's hard work, especially on an empty stomach. But it's also tough on the environment. Some of these strategies are actual drivers of the climate conditions that they are experiencing or some of the or drivers of their vulnerabilities. Um, coping mechanisms are such as, you know, selling charcoal. 
uh, firewood. It means cutting down trees. It means uh, degrading the environment further just to be able to make ends meet or survive. This impact on the local environment reduces families' ability to cope with each drought that comes. And there are other long-term consequences to consider. That level of desperation uh, takes away any hope in these, in these families. I mean, because they're not able to make ends meet, they're not able to put food on the table, it means every member of that household has to pull their weight. What that means is that even kids who are in school have to be taken out of school to either take care of the other siblings or um, move further with the livestock uh, or even be sent to the major towns to earn a livelihood and support their families uh, back uh, where, they, where they're settled. So it just creates a very vicious um, cycle. Even for children who stay in school, their education can still be affected. Asa Konlapua lives in a neighbouring district to Atiris. She has five goats, but because they have no pastures to graze on, they've all stopped producing milk. Her youngest, Erupe, has become severely malnourished. And like Atir, her whole family is going hungry. Erupe's uh, siblings who are in school has their ability to study or concentrate in school been affected by the lack of milk and the, the increase in hunger? When the school has got food, they would eat from the school. But when the school doesn't have food and they come to my house here and I have nothing to give them, sometimes they don't go to school. They stay with me because they are weak. The vicious cycles created by repeated droughts mean families become locked into a constant fight for survival. You might be wondering if communities in semi-arid regions such as Turkana are not used to dealing with droughts. And certainly here, as many other regions in the world, they are not a new phenomenon. But a few decades back, they were only experienced here every 15 years or so. That gave families, communities and the land a chance to recover. Since the 1990s though, that gap started to close and now droughts are occurring as often as every second year. The very climate is changing. When can you usually tell if it's going to be a good year for rain? At what point does your family start to realise that this year might be a struggle? This is Inkario Akiru. She lives in another nearby district and she knows all about the changing weather. We have seasons. We have the dry season, we have the rainy season. But as of late, all these seasons you cannot differentiate the two seasons because there is no more rain as it used to be. There is a confusion of in the two seasons. You cannot clearly say this is the rain season, this is the dry season. They are almost now becoming similar. Two years ago, Incario had 100 goats. Since 2017, she has lost 95 of those goats. Today, she survives on just five. They have nowhere to graze 
so she receives no milk from them. Unlike Atira Nasakon, she's not able to collect any firewood or make charcoal, as one of her nine children has a disability and she needs around-the-clock care. The only food that she, her children and her goats have to eat are wild fruits that grow in bushes. That is, when they're ripe enough to eat. When the wild fruits are not there, I turn to the old hides and skins, burn them, roast them, and that's what we consume. We take water and we are good to go. That to us is extreme. It pushes us to the extreme. What we've seen is consistently higher temperature in the region in recent years. Also, the region itself is predicted to warm faster than the global average. This is Michael Mulpeter, Concerns Climate Change Adaptation Officer. So what that means is that you've higher levels of evaporation, there's less water in soil, which reinforces drier conditions, um, and then that also intensifies the impact of failed rains. So what that translates to for the communities in the Horn of Africa is that the crops and pastures have less water and the chance of failed harvest or lack of feed for their livestock increases. No region in the world is untouched by the effects of the climate crisis. Hurricanes across America, devastating heat waves across Europe. We even had our own water shortages in Ireland in 2018. But right now, the consequences for some people are far worse than for others. It's really important to mention that when discussing the climate crisis, the people, specifically the women that you met, have played the least part in creating the problem, but are actually experiencing the harshest effects of it. The malnourished children of Atir, Incario and Asakon are all receiving treatment through their local health clinics with the support of Concern and other organisations. They've been put on a course of therapeutic food, which are usually sachets of peanut paste that are packed with the nutrients and calories they need to get better. But the situation in Turkana at the moment is so bad that this treatment on its own is not enough. Atir explains the dilemma that parents face when there is not enough food to go around. Simply because the supplement that is given to, to them, it is not only that one child who eats, we eat all of it as a family. Because I cannot see the other children sleep hungry and say I'm only feeding the malnourished one. This might all sound pretty bleak, but there is life. For one thing, Concern has started to provide cash transfers so that families can at least put two meals a day on the table. Measures like this can help to meet urgent needs in the midst of a crisis. And there is lots more that can be done. Concern has been working in the neighbouring county of Marsabit, where people experience the same devastating droughts. There, we're carrying out a range of activities that are helping people to adapt to a changing climate. Here is Amina, our country director in Kenya, to explain just some of the work that we are doing. But then also working on more longer term development that improves productivity. So looking at 
other mechanisms of production aside from livestock? How do they diversify from livestock so that they have more than one source of income or one source of livelihood? Introducing agricultural production mechanisms that are climate uh, friendly, working with groups to rehabilitate lands that have been degraded as a result of these negative coping mechanisms and ensuring that in three, four seasons from now, there's ample pasture for livestock. Taking action can and does make a difference. It can save lives. Jennifer Nolan is a concerned staff member who visited Marsaba during the drought of 2017. She saw that difference firsthand. So I visited Marspit in 2017 and the reason I went there was because they were suffering from one of the worst droughts they'd seen in recent history. We went to this really remote village and we met this family who were so friendly and so nice and they invited us into their hut and the father's name was Alex and he had a daughter, Kame, who was four years old. And you know that kind of relationship that daughters and fathers have where the father is the hero and you know the daughter's kind of looking at him with a twinkle in her eye and it's clear that Alex and Kami had that kind of bond she was snuggling up to him and there was definite like affection between the two of them and it was just lovely to see because it's sort of similar to the way my daughter is with her father and I suppose one of the things that really struck me was Alex was explaining how Kame is um, suffering from severe malnutrition. He said that every night she's asking for food and he has to sort of say, well, I'm really sorry, I don't have any food. And he said that that was breaking his heart. Prior to the drought, um, they were a relatively well-off family because Alex had 300 goats. And when we met him, he had one goat left and one donkey. So in the area, um, Concern actually has a mobile health unit, which is basically a jeep with medicine and health professionals. Alex's daughter is suffering from severe malnutrition and she is part of um, Concern's programme. So she gets therapeutic food from Concern to try and improve her nutrition. Alex said to me that when he sees the Concern trucks arriving, that he feels a sense of happiness, that he feels like they're not forgotten and that people still care about their community and about the tribe. Months later, Jennifer received some good news. In 2018, my colleague Helen uh, visited Marspit and she actually went back to meet Alex and his family to get an update and see how they were doing. She came back with some photos and I was delighted to see that Kame looks strong and healthy and she doesn't look weak and lethargic like she had before. And, you know, she looked very gaunt when I met her and here she is smiling in front of the house and they all just looked happy and healthy. And I guess for me that um, kind of goes to show that there is hope and that people can improve. And even when things are completely desperate, Um, or they feel like they're desperate. They're not. There is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. It's not just northern Kenya that is affected by the climate crisis. We're supporting people like Atir across the globe, helping them to cope with the effects of the changing climate. 
Find out how you can support that work on our website, www.concern.net. This podcast was produced for Concern Worldwide by Clara Hearn, with sound supervision from Julian Clancy. Our heartfelt thanks must go to Atir Kataboy, Asakon Lapua, and Incario Akiru for being so open in sharing their stories with us. Thanks also to our other contributors, Amina Abdullah, Michael Mo Peter, and Jennifer Nolan. Concern Worldwide. Ending extreme poverty, whatever it takes.